0: you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that we have the victory, and this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we just ask you to bless this time as we share together in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. to God. Hallelujah. Well, we've been looking at the believer's authority. We're going to be not finishing up tonight, but we will when I get back. And uh, now we're looking at um, the battle is in our minds. Last week we started talking about Spiritual warfare and deliverance and so forth, and uh, so it's it's kind of a continuation of that. Us talking about that some more, um, <clears throat> but a lot of you, most of you have probably heard this, but uh, we just got a little more information about that little boy that was uh, um, throwing off the third floor up there at Mall of America, and. Uh, <clears throat> Um, would have been the little boy's grandparents um, were part of the group, the original group that started Mac Hammond's church up there in Minneapolis and, uh, and so when it took place um, the mother was actually meeting somebody there another mother and her child and she felt kind of a um, a warning, but because she was going to meet somebody, she didn't want to just leave. And so then when they met, that's when it took place, and he threw him over. And, and, uh, and so she was going down there, near, you know, the mother, and, um, you know, people were distraught, and whatever, and said the mother, everybody, she went by, she says, you just pray, you just pray. And anyway, um, the report is back that um, the boy has absolutely no brain damage whatsoever Um, he had some bones that were broken in his um, face but they said they went together and they're healing up wonderfully and so they're expecting that there's going to be absolutely no complications with it and so i mean that's That's miraculous, you know. Falling three stories on a concrete floor is pretty amazing. So anyway, so, but it also shows why we need to know what we have in Christ Jesus. You know, rather than panic, um, you know, and and I, I just can't imagine what that mother's going through. But at the same time, she didn't panic. She knew what the Word said, she was determined to stand upon what the Word said, and as a result of that, um, you know, we we see what what took place as a result of that. And so, so that's why um, spiritual warfare and the battle of the mind is so important because, you know, it's our mind that wants us to panic. It's our mind that wants to say, you know, there, there, there's no way out of this. Look at the circumstances. Look what we see. And uh, that's where the battle takes place. It takes place in our mind. And so on our notes then, in the New Testament, believer praises God for what he's already done and offers uh, oneself as a vessel for the Lord to work through. But notice what it says. Praises God for what he's already done. You know, in our early charismatic days, there were, there were some books that were very, very popular, and there was truth in them. But, um, you know, books like The Power of Praise, and There's Power in Praise, and I forget, there was, there was like a series of three books that one individual came out with, and they were, they were dealing with praise and so forth, and the importance of praise, and praise is important, amen. But... <clears throat> Basically, what he taught in these books, you know, and we basically took a hold of it, um, line upon line, because we didn't know any differently. But basically, within those books, what he was teaching is that we need to thank God for everything. You know, whatever takes place in your life, you need to thank God for it. Well... Um, As I've learned the scripture a little more, um, I don't thank God when sickness comes upon me. I don't thank him for the sickness, because I know that it's not from him. But I do praise him in the midst of the sickness, because of what we just talked about here. Praise God for what he's already done. And so in the midst of sickness or tragedy or whatever it might be that comes our way, we can praise God in the midst of it because we know that through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we've already been set free. And so it's it's focusing how we think, what we think upon. And so we're familiar with this passage, but more passages. But in Romans, the 10th chapter, and the 14th verse, it says, Now, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they believe or hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? And then we drop down to the 17th verse, and it says, For then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so the emphasis is Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, but we have to hear. We have to position ourselves um, to hear, because if we don't position ourselves to hear, we're not going to know what He's already made available to us. And so, and again, and, and you've heard this time and time again, but just let me reiterate it once again. There in Romans 10, 17, where it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you look that up in the Greek, it's in the continuous present tense. And so what that means is faith comes by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing the word of God. And so that's why we don't ever hear it enough. We we need to hear the word of God because that's how faith comes into our life. It's like I told the guys the other night. You know, sometimes with scriptures, um, it says as much by what it doesn't say as by what it does say. Um, Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that faith comes by having heard. It comes by hearing, present tense. And so I thank God I heard the Word of God, you know, 45 years ago when I got born again. It produced faith at that time. But I had to continue to hear the word of God uh, for faith to continue, for me to be able to continue to walk in faith. And so it's it's so very important for us to understand that. And when we we come to that understanding, all at once, um, when the attack comes, it doesn't have the same impact upon us that it once had. Because we already know what the truth is. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so when we, when we know the truth, even though the attack comes our way, we're able to rise up above it. And I think a lot of times, and, and this is what I said last week, I think a lot of times we get our, our foundations for spiritual warfare and for intercessory prayer and so forth. I think we get a lot of those principles out of Old Testament principles. And uh, we, we look at them, and, <clears throat> and so we try to... Att- try to apply those, those same principles uh, that were applied in the Old Testament and the New Testament. you know. And so we'll, we'll find people in prayer and in intercessory prayer just begging God to do something. But what they're doing is they're begging God to do something that He's already done. We don't have to beg Him to do anything because He wants to do it. And when we have that realization in our life, all at once our prayers... Our, our prayer of expectation, declaring what he's already done, what he's already accomplished in our life, rather than trying uh, to get him to do something because he's, he's already done it. And so, again, we look into the Old Testament, and, and um, last week we looked at how uh, Moses interceded for the children of Israel, and we saw how um, you know, different situations uh, where there was uh, intercession made in the Old Testament. But they were, they were asking God to change his mind or to do something. Well, God's already performed his will, so we don't have to ask him to change his mind. If, if we don't like the direction that it's going, we need to find out what God's plan and what his purpose really is. And so, <clears throat> uh, in, in Numbers, the 16th chapter, um, in the, we're, we're going to read first of all in the tenth verse, and and this is where we have Korah and the other two guys where they uh, they and their household they began to speak against Moses and against Aaron, and it says in the in, in the sixteenth chapter of Numbers in the tenth verse, and it says. <clears throat> Well, let's just back up a little bit. Let's go up to the 8th verse. And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Israel, is it a small thing that, to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the, of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve to serve them? And that he has brought you near to himself. You and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? You know, it's an interesting thing uh, how oftentimes people are never, never satisfied with their position. Notice they were brought close to God, but they looked at, uh, what Moses and Aaron had and they wanted that because they felt like they had something that they didn't have. And, and who does Moses and Aaron think they are? They just think they're better than we are. But, you know, when, with God in position, um, it, it, it's, it's not about elevation or one being over another. It's about his plan being done. and And so it isn't about one individual being over another individual. It's about being able to perform the duty, that which he's called each and every individual to do, whatever that that part is. And so then he says in the 11th verse, Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And so there, what basically what... Uh, what Moses is saying to him is, you're, you're really not complaining about me and Aaron. You're, you're coming against God. You're complaining against God. That's, that's what your real problem is. And so, and again, I, I just think it's so, so interesting that oftentimes what people want is they, they want a title. You know, you give them a title and they're happy. You know, but they, they don't really want responsibility. You know, because if if anything is truly a title, that means that there's going to be responsibility that goes along with it. And uh, uh, they wanted the title. They wanted to think that they were something. And so then, um, skipping down to verse 41, um, we, we see that um, because of this behavior, um, there was there was judgment or condemnation or whatever you want to call it that came down upon these individuals and their families. And it says, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. You know, uh, isn't it interesting? You know, this, this is why it's, you know, the the spiritual warfare is, or the thoughts that come into our minds. Isn't it interesting how you can have one individual that's disgruntled or unsatisfied or whatever it may be and that person begins to um, complain and begins to affect everybody around them. You know, um, uh, Dan Dennison, um, good friend, we saw him a couple of weeks ago up in Minneapolis. He's retired now, but we went to Bible school together and he been a bricklayer for 25 years. And so uh, in our conversation uh, we would we, talk about um, um, uh, the line mentality. You know, because with bricklayers you know, they, if you have a long wall uh, they don't just go all the way back and forth. You'll have, like if it's a long enough line, you'll have five bricklayers and, and they'll They'll work down this way until they meet this guy, and then they'll work down this way until they meet this guy, and back and forth, back and forth, they'll go. And what <clears throat> this line mentality, and you've probably heard me share this before, but you know, early in the morning, you get to work, and uh, most everybody is happy, except there's one guy. Uh, he, he's, he's irritated with life. He hates his wife, hates his dog, hates his children, hates his job, just hates everything. And so they get on the line, and he's always the one that gets stuck in the middle. And so all morning he's complaining, he's going back and forth to, you know, and complaining to each one of the two guys that he's talking with. And so by noon, when they stop for, by, for break, three of the guys hate the wife, hate the dog, hate the kids, hate the job, you know, just hate everything about life. You know, and, and so they, they get back to work then after lunch and they're working again, by the end of the day, Everybody just can't wait to get home to kick the dog. You know, because they hate the dog, they hate the wife, they hate the job, they hate everything about it. Why? Because they've been listened to it all day long. You know, and that's why we need to understand that we're not a, um, we're not a garbage can for everybody's complaints. You know, because we, we can say it doesn't affect us, but it affects us. There's absolutely no way that it doesn't have an effect in one way or another in an individual's life. You heard my story of, of Happy Caldwell. He was the pastor of the church down in, in uh, um, Little Rock, uh, where Jeff and Amy are now. Uh, and an uh, individual came to his office one day and said to um, Pastor Caldwell, um, well, there, there, there's some things going on in the church, and I thought you ought to know about it. And uh, he says, well, um, I really don't want to, I don't want to know about it. And he says, But Pastor, uh, there's some things going on in the church and I just um, thought you would want to know about that. And he says, Well, I, I really don't want to know about that. And she says, But Pastor, there's some things going on in the church and you don't want to know about it? And he says, No. And she says, Why don't you want to know about it? And he says, Well, I see what it's doing to you, and I'm afraid it's going to do the same thing to me, so I don't want to hear about it. You know. And so there, there's times where we just need to say, I don't want to know about it, and uh, carry on that way. And so here's what we, we see here. It started out with these three individuals. you know. We, we wonder why God did some of the things that he did in the Old Testament. Because it looks... It looks so severe. looks so brutal almost. But it's, it's because the only way that God could deal with the people in the Old Testament because they were spiritually dead, he had to deal with them in the physical. And, and, and look what happened here. In one day's time, you had two individuals that were head of households whose households began to complain about Moses and Aaron. And notice what it says here in verse 41. And the next day, I know they'd been complaining for a while. But it says, the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, it happened that the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron. And they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting. And suddenly, a cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared, and Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And so here we have an example that individuals would use from the Old Testament um, concerning intercession. See, Moses and Aaron fell before the tabernacle of the Lord, fell before the Lord to make intercession for these individuals. Why? Because God was going to bring judgment down on them. But you know what? Our judgment has been laid upon the shoulders of Jesus. And through Jesus Christ, every man, woman, and child doesn't doesn't take some individual to fall in the gap and, and intercede. Jesus is that mediator. Remember what we saw last week. It says that there's one Lord, one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mediator. And so all that an individual has to do if, if, if something horrible is coming upon their life is turn to Jesus and repentance is available to them. And see, the, the repentance, there, there was repentance, but it wasn't in the same way that it is for us. And so Moses and Aaron, they fell down on their faces and they interceded for the people. And so in verse 46, it says, Moses said to Aaron, take a a censer and put fire in it from the altar. Put the censer on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. And so the plague has begun. Now, this is, once again, why we've got to rightly divide the Word of God. And it begins by recognizing the separation between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Testament and the New Covenant. Testament, recognizing where they were in the conditions of that time and where we are in the conditions of the day that we're in today. Because, you know, we just got done celebrating and on Sunday, you know, Jesus took the wrath upon himself. He took judgment that you and I deserved. He took that upon himself. And, you know, <clears throat> we say, yeah, he took it for me because I'm born again. But do you realize? That he took judgment, he took wrath upon himself for every single man, woman, and child that ever lived, that ever will live. You know, the tragedy of individuals not receiving Jesus and going to hell is the fact that the price was paid. Everything was taken care of, the price was paid for them to have eternal life. And the reason that they're going is not because they spoke against the pastor or they rebelled or whatever. It's because they did not receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, there's only one thing that will send an individual to hell. There's only one sin that's the sin of rejecting Jesus. That's why we can go into the prisons and we can preach to them. And know that if they receive Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they'll be saved. Why? The price has already been paid. The only requirement, I guess, on our part, is that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, I, I, think, I think the problem with the gospel is it's just too stinking easy. It's too simple. Because we don't get to do anything to earn it. We have this idea that we need to do something to earn it. And, uh, but, but, but we can't. All we can do is stop rejecting Jesus and receive him as our Lord and Savior. And we shall be saved. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. That's not the end. That's the beginning. But it's a life of victory. It's not a life of defeat. It goes back to what I shared a couple weeks ago. That, that we, we don't, here in the Old Testament, what did they do? They had approached the, 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 the battles that they fought from the position of winning the battle. We approached the battle from the position of victory because the battle has already been won. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. We are already victorious in Christ Jesus. And so, verse 47 again. Then Aaron uh, took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already a plague had begun among the people. So he put into the censer and made atonement for the people. Remember, it was, it was through the sacrifice, the work of the priests that atonement was made and so forth. Now those who died of the plague were 14,700 besides those who died of, of, in the Korah incident. And so, I, I mean, there was a tragedy took place. But why? Because they rebelled against God. and uh, But see, I believe that we're to take the word and we're to use situations like this as a teaching tool for us. Not to bring us into a position of fear. Well, I'm, I'm fearful of the judgment of God coming about me. What, what's going to happen because, you know, <clears throat> I messed up this afternoon? No, we, we don't have to fear the judgment of God. But what we learn from this, and what I learned from this, is how we've got to be sensitive to what we allow others to impart into our life. Because if we allow people to impart the wrong thing into our life, it's going to lead us to a place of of defeat. It's going to give the enemy an opportunity in our life. And, you know, we all know what it says in John 10.10, the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And, you know, he's still out to do that. He may not be able to steal our salvation, but he wants to steal our witness. He wants to steal the victory that belongs to us. He wants to um, keep us from experience the victorious life that would draw others to the truth. You know the Bible says that if we'll lift Jesus up, He'll draw all men unto Himself. You know, and I believe that that's talking about the cross, that Jesus was lifted up and and looking to the cross draws people unto him. But I believe that there's there's another definition that's appropriate for that verse. And I believe that that's us. That when we lift Jesus up, that he will draw all men unto us. I should have probably played it tonight. But out at the youth building... Pastor Becky is playing a, uh, a YouTube video tonight. And it's uh, uh, of Tim Tebow. And the title of it, and so you can look it up for yourself on YouTube. And you don't have to look it up now, Sean. You're busy. <clears throat> but uh, uh, it, it, it's 3.16. And he tells the story about, you know, John 3.16. And, he, and how all that happened. And how he um, was, was going to be playing... Um, Alabama. They were going to be playing in the uh, um, SEC championship game. And he he said he was in the locker room and he noticed a lot of guys, you know, on their black that they're putting under their eyes and so forth. They took a like a silver pen or something and they they were writing things you know, like Hi Mom or you know, whatever on there. And, And he thought, huh, I wonder if I could put something on there that would That would make a difference, and uh, and so he he thought. Well, he said he thought about, oh, God loves you, and uh, but then he he decided to to put Philippians 3.13, right? John no Philippians four thirteen yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, just look it up for yourself. And uh, so anyway, he, he put that under there and he told his dad what he was going to do and his mom just thought it was a wonderful idea. And his dad says, well, you know coach, he doesn't like to do anything out of the ordinary. Well, well no, that's not true. No, he did that. And he put that on there and, and, uh, and so he um, went to the, uh, you know, played in the game and they won. They beat Alabama, which, you know, eventually won him a, uh, trip to the national championship game, and so uh, he said after the game, uh, one of the people from the university came up to him and said, uh, do, "Do you have any idea what, what's happened?" And he says, well, "Well, no, I don't know what you're talking about." And he says, "Well, you know, you put Philippians four thirteen on your your eyes." He says, "Yeah," and he said, uh, "Now I, I think I'm going to get this." in the ballpark. On Google, there were something like 94 million um, what, do you, what do you call it? Hits on Google looking up Philippians 419. You know, it tells you how many people didn't know what it was. But he, he said he was, just, he was just absolutely amazed by that. And, uh, and so, um, he went to, you know, he, he wore it the rest, you know, the rest of the games and so forth. And so they got into the championship game. And they were getting ready for the championship game, and he just felt like he was supposed to do something different. And he, he felt like he should put John 3.16 on there. But he just, uh, you know, he, he shared it with his mom, and his mom thought, that's a great idea. And he shared it with his dad, and his dad said, I don't know. You know, your coach is so superstitious. And he said, their coach was superstitious that if you wore long socks and you won, you wore long socks every game. You know, if you did this in a game and you won, you did that in every game. And so all the games, he had had Philippians on his eyes, and now he wanted to change it. And and he, he told the coach what he wanted to do, and the coach says, why would you do that? He says, it's been working. And and so anyway, anyway he let him do it. And he put it put it on there and they played in the game and and there were like another nine million hits on, you know, John 316, people looking it up on Google. But the coach after or not the coach, but you know, their publicity guy came up afterwards and he says um you know, that there were all those hits on it. And so I'm getting ahead of myself. And so then he played in the Super Bowl with Pittsburgh, and they won. And he had John 316, and there were all those hits, people looking it up again because it was a whole new crowd. And afterwards, the publicity guy came up to him and says, do you have any idea what just took place? Well, I don't remember the exact statistics. You have to look it up for yourself. But all the statistics were 316. You know, he the, the a combination of those three passes completed, yards gained, yards run. You know, it was just over and over again. And 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 when you get home, look it up because you'll be amazed by it. But but see, the point is, and this is the point because I haven't lost track of where I was going. I don't have to say what was I saying. I still know. See, he lifted up Jesus, yeah, and he draw men to him. And so what does the enemy want to do? He wants to bring us down. He wants to discredit us. He wants to bring us to that point where we can no longer lift up the name of Jesus. Because, you know, I I think it's subtle ways when we lift Jesus up that people are really affected in a positive way. Well, getting back to our lesson, we don't need a Moses or an Aaron to fall down when we mess up and beg God not to bring judgment upon us because we already have a mediator in Jesus who's standing in the gap for each and every one of us. 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is standing in that gap. He's praying for you and I. God's heart is already turned towards us. It's not us begging God to turn his heart towards us. It already has. You know, in in one of our earlier lessons going through the authority of the believer, if you remember, we spent at least one session talking about praying for the lost. And it wasn't us begging God to save them. Because he's already done everything that he can do for them to be saved. He sent Jesus. Jesus was willing to come. Jesus paid the price. But what did it, what, what did we, what did it say that we did? We, we bind um, the blinded eyes of the unbelievers, that they might be opened, that they might see the truth. That Satan can no longer blind them. He can no longer keep the truth from them. And the truth is what Jesus has already performed. And uh, he's always behind his word. He'll always back his word. You know, Mark 16, 20. I love this verse. And they went out and they preached everywhere. The word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying Signs. He worked with them, but notice what we, we do. We we preach the word, and when we preach the word, it's going to be the signs following that's going to accompany it. You know, uh, of course I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what the mother said, but but according to um, what I had read, what I had seen was what the mother didn't run up to people and beg them to beg God to let her child live. She said, just continue to stand upon the word and believe God. And that's where we need to be, where the things of God are concerned. In John 10, 38, it says, "Um, But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe, That the Father is in me, and I I am in him. So when we speak the truth, and then there's accompanying signs. You know, that's why in James it says that we're not just supposed to be hearers of the word. We're to be be doers of the word. We're not even supposed to be just... now, Now, part of being a doer of the word is speaking the word. But, just speaking the Word isn't where we're supposed to stop. We're to be doing what the Word says. And that's where our our testimony comes from. It comes from what what people are able to see in our lives, that they can see um, that that Jesus is victorious, because he was. And when an attack comes against us, what do we do? We, We speak the Word to that situation because it's already been done, it's already been accomplished, it's already been performed. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter days, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now that sounds kind of scary, but you know what, it isn't. As long as we're committed to the Word of God. As long as we stick to what the Word says. That if we hear something or if we see something and it doesn't line up with the Word, then it doesn't matter how spiritual this individual may appear to be. If what they're saying doesn't line up with the Word, then it's not truth. And say, His Word is, is truth. And so it says, because... They've given heed. They've begun to listen to. They've begun to pay attention to. Deceiving spirits. Now now this is going to be really deep, so you, you have to listen to me really close here. A deceiving spirit is deceptive. Its very nature is to deceive and so you've heard me say this before the most damning lie is the lie that's the closest to the truth why? because it's the hardest to distinguish and so we have to be be so convinced of this that we don't heed deceiving spirits how do we judge it? we judge it according to the word of God you know, I, I think we, we look at this and, you know, we, we started out with, you know, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we, we have this idea, and it and it's all evolves around faith. But we have this idea, the only purpose for the word is for faith to rise up in my life. And it, and it does rise up in my life. But, Knowledge of the Word. When we have the Word of God in us, there's a, there's a discerning that goes along with that. Because when you've got the Word of God on the inside of you, you can, you can hear something. You can see something. And remember what I said, the most damning lie is the lie that's closest to the truth. And it may sound good. It may even look good. But there's something right here that says something's wrong with this. Now, that doesn't mean that you immediately reject it, but what it means is that you, you take another look at it. You look at it and you say, what's, what's going on here? You know, <clears throat> I remember as a, practically a brand new Christian had just been born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost for a very short period of time. We went up to Minneapolis to the Holy Ghost Conference up there and and uh, um, in one of the meetings, one of the afternoon sessions, there was a, a lady down on the floor, and, and all of a sudden she just stood up, and, and, and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the manifestations of the Spirit. And all of a sudden she just began to um, pray out of tongues, out in tongues and so forth, and and. Uh, um for Becky and I both, we just kind of looked at each other and we thought, something's wrong with this. Before very long, the leadership came and quieted her down and so forth. But really, all that she was doing was she was, she was drawing attention to herself. And But but, but she was, it was out of order. You know, that's why there's, there, there's always an order to things. And, you know, sometimes people may come to a service where the Holy Ghost is moving and they just think it's chaotic and it may appear to be chaotic but if it's the Holy Ghost there's still an element of order to it. Um, There's somebody that's, that's in charge. Well, I just knew it in my spirit. It wasn't because I was so tuned in spiritually. I knew all these things. I just knew something was wrong there. And you see, there's, there's a protection with that. Because when we know that, you know, just in the natural sense, we can see something, we can say something's wrong about that, and we, we get out of there. But when we hear something, when we hear something being taught, we can know that there's something wrong about that. But you know what? We have to have something on the inside of us to be able to judge it by. We may not be able to come up with chapter and verse, but we've read something, we've seen something, we know something on the inside of us that's not accurate, that's not the way it ought to be. And how do we get to that point? By spending time in the Word, by being familiar with the Word. You know, I, I think we, we get this idea that I've got to be able to know chapter and verse about everything. Well, we, I don't know chapter and verse about everything. Maybe y'all do. That was obvious earlier. But you know what? Verses are alive to me whether I can quote you the chapter or verse not. Thank God for concordances because I can find those verses when I really need to. But you know what? It's, it's, it's not because it's here. It's got to be in our heart so that we can be alive to it. And so it says in the latter times, and I, I believe we're in the latter days. Now, I don't know how latter of the latter days we are, but I know we're Further along than we were 45 years ago when I got born again, you know. And so, uh, is Jesus coming back tomorrow? He could, probably not. You know, is it going to be in the next 10 years? Could, I don't know. 20 years, I don't know. But whatever it is, we're in the latter days, and so there's a lot of deception going out there, and so we need to be aware of it. And that's why it's so important. To have a company of believers. Remember <clears throat> um, Peter, when he was released from prison, uh, and, and it says that the first thing that he went, he did, after being released, he went to his own company. I, and some translations use um, different words, "companions" or you, know, "fellowship or whatever. But I like that word "company." we need to have a company of believers that we because there's a there's a protection there. You know, the Bible talks about being of like precious faith. If we're of like precious faith with one another, there's a there's a protection there. You know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron and we talk about that so often in our men's groups where, you know, iron sharpens iron, men sharpen other men. But you know, the same thing is true within church we sharpen one another when we're able to um, bounce things off one another that we hear there's a there's a there's a protection in that and we need to have that in these days that we live in faith cannot rise in someone's heart unless you share the truth with them you know you, you can't believe in something that you don't know about so that truth has to be shared with them. Uh, Jeremiah 5.14 it says therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts because you speak this word behold I will make my words in your mouth fire and this people would and it shall devour them in other words the enemy but it's, it's the word in their mouth the word needs to be in our mouth. It isn't enough at times to just think it there's times where we, we need to speak it out. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Well, what's the rock? The rock is talking about those, those hindrances in our life. It's the word that's going to break it. You know, <clears throat> the, the thing about it is that the hammer... Um, doesn't always break the rock the first time you hit it. It's those constant blows that eventually break down that rock. You know, I, I remember when I was plumbing, we had a job up in Bird Island, Minnesota, and we had to run a, a new steam line into the boiler room because it was an addition, and it was like an eight-inch, pipe, and uh, <clears throat> but of course my boss is too cheap to have an air hammer. And so I had the old hammer, a, a mull and a chisel, and through a 12-inch wall. Well, you know what? I didn't hit it once, twice, three times, four times, and we were through. I hit that thing over and over and over again. But you know what? We got a hole in that wall. And sometimes we have things in our life that seems like it's never going to get out of the way. But, you know, when we're persistent and we continually hit that thing, that thing is eventually, it's eventually going to go. I like to think of it like, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you guys are probably all too spiritual for this, but, you know, I've watched these strong men competitions that they have on TV. You know, and one of the things that they do is they'll have like a, a bus or a, Truck or a semi or something, and they gotta they got that thing's at a dead stop, and they've gotta pull that thing a certain distance uh, in you know in in and be timed to do it. But if you've ever watched that, you notice what they do not do is they do not back up against the bumper with about six feet of slack and take off running, and boom. All of a sudden it tightens up. And that's what we do oftentimes with the Word of God. We just want to do it right now. No, they, they put pressure on. And they apply that pressure. And they continue to apply that pressure. And before very long, all of a sudden it starts to creep. And once they get it to creep, they keep it in motion. And that's what we need to do with the Word of God. Sometimes we may not have those difficulties in our life creeping yet. But as we continue to apply the pressure of the Word of God, it's going to begin to move. But when it begins to move, we don't stop. We continue to apply the pressure, or we continue to apply the Word of God, and we get that thing moving. And we get the victory that belongs to us. The Word says that people must be born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. 1 Peter 1 Peter 1.23 having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever in other words doesn't ever change circumstances change but God's word doesn't ever change here's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament we saw in the Old Testament with their intercession what did they want to do They wanted to change God. They wanted to move God. We don't move God. God's already moved. But what our prayer does is it changes me. It lines me up with with him. It shows me what his will and his purpose and his plan is. And when I stand upon that, I will have the victory. So all the dinging that I was getting, it's from... Patty, I don't know if you had heard or not, uh, but uh, Patty's mom, Patty Fisher, her mom was in the hospital, I think, in Iowa City, and it says, Marilyn passed away this afternoon at 447. Patty was sitting alone with her uh, when she died, for which we are very thankful that she could be there. She said right before she died, she was uh, reaching out with her arms and we're believing that she reached out for Jesus. Well, I didn't need to hear that. <clears throat> so, uh, we'll just be praying for their household for peace. And so, Father, we just do that right now. We, we hold up Patty and, and uh, her whole family. Uh, Father, to be promoted into your kingdom is such a holy, wonderful thing. And we're so grateful that Patty was there with her to be there as she transitioned from this side to the other side, from this world to that heavenly kingdom. And so, Father, we trust that she knows you in a personal, intimate way. And therefore, she's in heaven right now with you, shouting down the glory. And so we just pray, even though we know uh, it's still... A difficult grieving process to go through. And so we just pray that you administer to Patty and and that family and that your grace and your mercy. We know that it's sufficient. And we know that they draw upon that. And so, Father, just be gracious now. And we thank you for this promotion. We give you glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So. Next week, uh, Omega will be ministering, so I'll be sure to be here uh, for that. Don't miss Sunday. My grandson's going to be preaching. Isaac is going to be here ministering. And then the following week, uh, Cornelius will be here. And so we'll be down in Arkansas for a week. And so uh, um, have a blessed time. time. We will.